Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. Um, but I wanted to start the year, just for those who don't know, I'm, I'm Tom, sorry, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I wanted to start the year reflecting on um, kind of who we are as a church. One thing I w- was aware of as I was reflecting over Christmas was um, that we became Nim Valley Vineyard in September and it kind of came about quickly and we've kind of just carried on. Um, so I wanted to take some time this morning to reflect on what we call vision and values, which, and can I be honest, vision and values are not really words I like because they're business words and I don't really, I get uneasy around business stuff in the church, but I understand them. And they're useful words and they kind of make sense. Um, and, and what you'll see hopefully in the vision and values really is ultimately we're, we're really about doing what we think the church has been or should be doing for the last 2,000 odd years. There's nothing terribly controversial. Um, I'm gonna ask for a private jet, is that okay? We can, we can no, okay. I'll, I'll scratch that one from the list, shall I? Um, <laughs> uh, do, yeah, private jets are one of those, if I believe for it, I'll get it and be like, well now I don't know what to do with it. What do I, what do, I do with a private jet? Anyway, sorry. But just to give a bit of context for the journey that we've been on, um, if you went back for me and Ash, uh, we've been part of what is Central Vineyard in Northampton. We were there for a number of years that we disagree on, we can't remember, uh, a number of years. Um, in September 2018, we then, um, with a bunch of folks who kind of come to Central Vineyard in Northampton, um, looked at starting a Central Vineyard site in Wellingborough. So that was September 2018, that all started. And that was going for about 18 months, and then COVID hit, and we're now at like we had like 18 months of not meeting and we were kind of going, okay, God, what do we do? What's the response we make here? At the same kind of similar time as that, uh, the guys, so some of you have been here for like 20 plus years as Ron's Community Church. And Ron's Community Church kind of uh, became a site of Central Vineyard really to help with, help Sandra kind of pass on the baton of leadership. Um, at this point, me and Ash were completely unaware that God had plans for us. Um, just that was never in the plan, as it were. Um, but you guys who had been here joined Central Vineyard September 2019, and you had like six months of being Central Vineyard before lockdown hit. And in during lockdown, um, Sandra, who'd been leading the church for 25 plus years, decided that this was the right, you know, felt this was the right time. God was saying, you know, to retire and pass the church on. And through a series of weird events like these things always are when God is involved, um, Ash and I agreed to come here. But we also brought together the Wellingborough site and the, what is, became the Rawn site of Central Vineyard. So it kind of became this new church. And as we reflected, we realized that um, this thing that we've been doing where we were like one church in all these different places um, was all right but it had become more of a hindrance than it was a help. That actually it was difficult to make decisions that were effective on the ground in a a particular place. 
Um, so we just explored what would it look like to become a more autonomous church here. And we realized that actually what had happened is we hadn't, we'd ceased being, you know, a church for Rawns and a church for Wellingborough. And actually there was a bunch of people spread across the Nen Valley. So we became Nen Valley Vineyard because there is no other geographical name to call this area, it turns out. So that all happened September 5th, maybe. We became Nen Valley Vineyard, I can't remember. September sometime. And that really brings us to where we are. Just a bit of context for those who were not part of that journey of Conicum since. And one of the realities as we talk about vision that I really recognize is it is impossible for us as a church to have plans and programs that will effectively reach and cater for all the needs across an area like the Nen Valley. You know, there are different towns with different needs um, and they are vastly different. They might be really close geographically, but their needs are vastly different. Uh, it's difficult for us to even see those needs. We can't do enough services and offer enough compassion things. And if I was honest, as a ch from a church leadership point of view, we don't need to. Often churches are kind of, they have this, what they call a top-down model, which is the leader sets the agenda and everyone works towards that and everything else is outside of what the church does. And I'm just not a fan of that, if I'm honest. The reason that I love the vineyard is that there's this real grounding in this, this phrase that they call everybody gets to play, which is in a more theological phrasing is the priesthood of all believers which is that each one of us comes to God and asks what the Lord has for us to do. Now, there are some things we have to structure, like we decide that we're going to meet here at 10.30 on a Sunday and we're going to start youth this week and not before Christmas, things like that. So there are decisions that have to be made, right? But actually, Jesus has something for each one of us to do in our everyday lives that we have no control of and don't want any control of. We are all ministers of the kingdom of God. So rather than being a church that's trying to do everything and cater for everything, actually, the, when I, I think I shared this back in July, maybe, the imagery, the best imagery I could think of was actually, I want my hope and my prayer and the dream is that actually we would be like a constellation of stars spread across the Nen Valley. That actually each one of us, so where, where you live, I don't live. You see the needs on your street and I don't. And you go to that school and I don't. And you work in that workplace and I don't. When you look at, think of a constellation, I don't, how many people, when I say constellation, how many people have some idea what that is? Just a vague idea, yeah. Like a group of stars that form an, a picture that I can never see. People, it's a bear. It's not a bear. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> So, but this, this sense of, actually, the thing that's interesting to me about con the word constellation is if you go back through history, actually people could find their way home by the stars, by the constellations. I could not. I, put me on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic and I'm just, I'm going to lie down and I hope someone comes and finds me. Huh? But people could. And my hope is that if we can figure out how to do this personally and together, that actually the, the image that we create as a church 
is Jesus to people. And the people would find their way home, not because we are brilliant and super and all the rest, but because we are obeying him. And as we obey him, we start to look more like him and behave more like him. So each, each point in the constellation, when you look up close, is a huge, like enormous, ferocious, bright, burning star, like our sun. And our sun's pretty diddy and like, there's some like terrifying ones out there. Fortunately, we're never going to know. It's fine. But each one of those stars in that constellation will have their own ecosystem that is unique to them. So the more we know about, like, I'm, I'm geeking out at the moment because we've just sent this new telescope up to space and it's kind of working, starting to work. I'm like, oh, I wonder what we're going to see. And Ash is like, shh, don't talk to me about it. Okay. Um, but I'm really excited because I think we'll see, we'll see things and understand things even more than we do now. But around some of those stars, there are going to be planets, and those planets are unlike anything else we've seen, and there's going to be you know, asteroid belts and other things, and then you quickly realize my, my understanding of quantum physics and cosmology runs out, and I have no other examples to give at this point. But there is all sorts of stuff. And I think that summarizes us. As we are spread across this little region called the Nen Valley, each one of us has this unique ecosystem into which God has placed us. Matthew 5.14, it's that well-known phrase, you know, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Each one of us has that calling upon us to be the light of the world. The challenge is, although we want to be freeing and, you know, seek the Lord and see what he says to do, we also don't want to just be about here is my agenda and the thing that I want to do. Because actually what Jesus, Jesus doesn't say he's coming to build superheroes. He's not coming to build the special ones. He's coming to build his church. That was his call to us. So if we are a bunch of unique stars that are not drawn together in something, then actually what we see as we look to the stars is that stars are just rapidly, rapidly moving away from each other. And that's the risk for us as a church, that we just become a bunch of Christians doing stuff, but actually have no connection, no connectivity, that if we're, we don't seek to be in community together, then we won't be a constellation at all. We'll just be a mess of stars. My hope and my prayer is that as we seek to be together and seek to do the things of the kingdom as we go about, that actually we would be drawn into the likeness of Christ. That actually when people see us and see us as a church, that they would see Jesus and be drawn to him through us. And I should say for, for a, a lot of the stuff that I think God calls us to isn't quote-unquote churchy stuff. What do I mean by that? I think the falsehood in a lot of modern churches is we go, the most important thing is you know, people like me who stand at the front and teach stuff, or um, it is the guys who lead worship. The more you are up the front here, the more important you are. And I think that that is a symptom of the world and not anything to do with Jesus. I don't think the Nen Valley needs more church buildings or more church services. Hopefully it will, but not yet. 
I think what the Nen Valley needs is people like you and me to go, okay, Jesus, what have you got for me to do today? Who am I going to come across who needs you to step in and heal them? Who am I going to meet that is hungry and needs food? I don't think we're talking about doing more and more programs and stuff and spending lots more money. I think it's just each one of us coming open-hearted to Jesus and going, what have you got for me today, Jesus? And I think the biggest challenge for me as I think about all of this, and in my own life, because just a lot of the stuff I talk about is aspirational because I'm not there yet. My prayer is that I will be. The challenge I've had as I've read the Gospels is when Jesus shares the Gospel, he does it after demonstrating the kingdom of God. That he will heal somebody and then he will, that verifies who he is. Does this make sense? And I think that there's this uncomfortable aspect of our faith that we've lost because we're so clever and smart. Well, actually, I think the invitation to us, the only thing that's going to work, if I'm honest, is Jesus stepping into the gaps of the lives of the people around us. I, uh, many years ago, I was a youth pastor. And uh, one of the things that came about during that time was people got really excited about something called apologetics, which isn't bad. Apologetics is basically trying to make sense of things and win an argument about Jesus versus science or something. Usually worded way better than what I just said. But what I noticed over the years is arguing with people doesn't work at all, honestly. What does work is people meeting Jesus. And I think... This is the challenge for us, is this is the invitation to us, I think, that each one of us would draw closer to Jesus that actually other people might be drawn to Jesus too. And they're not just going to be drawn to us because we're nice, because other people are nice. Some people are nicer than us. But actually, people can be drawn to Jesus when he steps in and he heals people, when he steps in and he gives people dignity, when he steps into the issues that ravage someone's mind and just brings peace. So we try and summarise all this stuff that's going around my brain all the time uh, with a vision statement, which is an exciting thing for many of us. It's just a way of succinctly trying to explain all this stuff in a way that we might remember enough to reflect upon it and think about it. And ours is this, it's practicing the way of Jesus together for the renewal of the Nen Valley. So just to break that down really quickly, practicing the way of Jesus. This is language that I like because it is all about Jesus and becoming like him and doing the things that he did. Uh, and this next bit is actually really important, that we do it together. Because, as I said, Jesus is building his church, which requires us to be together. 
And actually, if we want to practice the way of Jesus, we cannot practice the way of Jesus alone. That is a myth of modern spirituality. We can't do it alone. And sometimes that means that to look more like Jesus, we have to get rubbed up the wrong way by somebody and learn to deal with that. That's part of our becoming like Jesus. And then the last bit of it is for the renewal of the Nen Valley. This is kind of a weird theological word. I couldn't find a better word. I really tried than renewal. But to make it really simple, it's actually across the Nen Valley and beyond wherever we are. It's about seeing God's kingdom, his wholeness, his healing come. So to, the, you know, to families that we meet, to the streets that we live on, the towns that we live in, the schools our kids go to, the places that we work, the shops that we go, you know, all the, these places, that God's kingdom, his wholeness, his healing would come. How am I doing for time? Not well at all, is the answer to that question. So I'm going to rattle through this, hopefully really fast. Okay, you with me? I know I do lots of long, dramatic pauses. I'm going to, have to try and cut them out, all right? So we then have a few values which help us work out this vision and stay true to that vision, really. So the first, is the, is the first value is presence. We mean the presence of God. That actually we want to be people who are marked by the presence of God and changed and transformed by the presence of God and we carry the presence of God wherever we go. And I think that this is an important one. I was talking to somebody this week. In fact, no, I've had two conversations with two different people about two different churches. And the, the statement that came out twice was the churches that they were talking about had become more like a social club than the church. There is a very real risk that we can be a bunch of people gathered together doing nice stuff without the presence of God and we just become a bunch of do-gooding people in a social club. We have to be people marked by the presence of God. And we see this throughout the Bible as well. What, what is the thing that marks um, the Jewish people, the Israelites, from everybody else? It's that they have the presence of God with them. And when Jesus comes... He's always going away to pray and be in the presence of his Father. So I don't think we can escape that reality. The second is formation. This is kind of a word that makes some of us uncomfortable. It feels quite um, religious. As I know that could be an ironic word for me to use on a Sunday morning in a church, but it feels quite religious. But we want to be people who are being moulded, each one of us, to look more like Jesus. And could I just, controversial statement, looking more like Jesus does not mean looking more like a middle-aged white man. That's not who Jesus is. When humanity was created, we see this in Genesis 1, when humanity was created, we were created to be the image bearers of God. That each one of us would carry something unique that reflects him. And actually that the world around us would see that and be changed and transformed. And this sense of um, God's kingdom coming. And this is what we see in the Garden of Eden story. So we always think that actually when we fall from the Garden of Eden, the, the only thing that really happens is we're separated from God and there's sin in the world. But there's more going on than that. Actually, as humans, we lose our identity as image bearers 
in any real meaningful way. So the best analogy I could find for this is as if we were like this, these mirrors that reflected God. But when the fall happens, those mirrors are cracked and broken. And when Jesus comes, he is the image of God. And he calls us to follow him and be like him and be his image once again. Okay, that's, that's a huge chunk of theology just given to you in like 30 seconds. And you can pick it and there's holes in it, I know. But we want to be actively formed back into the likeness of Jesus. And my, my conviction is I don't think that happens by accident. The reality is we are either being formed by Jesus or we're being formed by other stuff. There is no option to not be formed. That we're either being formed by Jesus or we are being formed by the world and the way it works or the friends that we know or all these other things that we're going to talk about in the next little while. So we want to be people who do try and find some rhythms and some ways to engage with Jesus that he might do work in us. The third value is family. Psalm 68 talks about God placing the lonely in families. Families is one of those God ideas. And again, you know, the myth of modern spirituality is we can, we can follow Jesus and be changed by him alone. and We can't. And we want to be family in the nice, warm, fuzzy sense of, oh, we're nice and welcoming and come around for dinner and all that stuff. But for some of us, when I, even when I say the word family, you're like, ah, my experience of family isn't good. Family really is, is being a bunch of people who live selfless lives, who show selfless love to one another, who pour into one another's lives, regardless of things like race or wealth or education, we want to be a family who are Jesus to one another, who are encouraging one another, who are challenging one another. And I think we probably, all of us probably have a lot to learn in this regard. See, my dream is that our kitchen would have a whole bunch of people who look an awful lot different to one another together, eating food, sharing stories, uh, upsetting each other probably. I'm not looking forward to that bit so much, but it has to be part of the picture, right? And I think we, I've been trying to figure out how many of us there are, which sounds like a weird statement. How many of us gather and call Nen Valley Vineyard home? And I still don't really know. I think it's about 100 adults plus kids, I think. The reality is when I talk about family, we want this to be a place where everybody is known. But the reality is we can't know everybody. There's too many of us. And some of us need to make peace with that. That you just won't know some people that well. And that's okay. Find the people that God brings to you and be drawn together in family with them. And I should, I would say this, that when I talk about things like being family and sharing meals, I'm thinking less of like, come dine with me where everything's fancy and nice. And I'm thinking more like the imaginary food fight scene in Hook, if you've seen Hook. Yeah. So it is just as we are. We don't have to have spotless houses and wonderful food. Beans on toast is okay if that's what's in the cupboard. You know, just 
come and be together. So we do have two structures that sort of help with this sort of don't. One is groups, which are small groups of I don't know, six to 16 people that meet in 10 week terms. Uh, the other is then huddles, which we haven't really talked about a lot. Huddles are um, groups of three to four people of the same sex. And that bit is important. Three to four people of the same sex who can just be accountable to one another, share their innermost issues and problems together. And could I say this, the, the biggest problem, I think, in the modern Western church that is shaped by consumerism is that we don't talk about the things that are wrong for fear of having things stripped from us. Does this make sense? That if I share that thing, people are going to think differently and I won't be able to do that or have this place of prestige in a church community. My heart is that the darkest things in us are the things that we can share in settings like a huddle so that we can be prayed for and can know that people are checking in on us and talking to us. Because the reality is, if, if we don't have challenge in our lives, if we don't have people challenging us and stretching us and pushing us to be more like Jesus, then actually we're not building community, we're just networking. And there's a difference between those two things. Church isn't the, the place that we go to. Church is the people that we belong to. So, and I would say on the, the front of huddles, we don't police those. Just go find two or three, yes, that's right, two or three other people of the same sex and just start meeting and praying and being together, reading scripture if that's what you want to do, sharing meals, go to the pub, you know, wherever you need to go, whatever you need to do. The fourth is generosity. Fourth value is generosity. And we want to be marked by compassion for others and generosity towards others. There's a, a thing John Wimby used to say when the vineyard first started planting churches, because it didn't plant churches for a while. It said, if, if you do not care for the poor, do not put the vineyard name above your door. This is the biggest gap I feel in my heart at the moment. And I don't know what to do about it because I can't rush. I can't just start doing stuff and say we're going to do stuff. But I wonder if in, amongst some of us there is some stuff that God is pointing out to the poor, the needy, the lonely, you know, just places where there is injustice, places where there is lack that God might be calling us towards. And we have amazing links with people like we've got Sally and Simon, Teen Challenge, um, and Street Passes in Wellingborough. I know some are involved in And Carissa's been doing... Um, uh, coffee morning, stuff like that. There's all, there is stuff going on, and we don't have to plan and program everything. But I just wonder if there's stuff that God would have us do. And I don't have those answers. But do pray and be vigilant and just be aware of what's going on. And then just be willing to come to us with ideas. One of the things that is also true about just about every vineyard church I've ever come across is if you have an idea, guess who gets to f complete the idea? You do. Okay. And actually, there is an element to this. I'm torn in a couple of ways. One is maybe we should do some stuff, but then the other is maybe we should just encourage people to be involved with Teen Challenge and Street Pastors and the food bank in Bronze and food banks in other places. But the question underneath is, how can I be more generous to those around me, I think? Generosity is, is countercultural in our consumerist society. Consumerist is give me more. Generosity is I want to give away. Uh, Tim Keller says this, 
He's talking about the early church. The early church was strikingly different from the world around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan, just to clarify in this context, a pagan is anybody who was not Jewish Christian at this point, right? Um, A pagan gave nobody their money and practically everybody their body. And the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body and they gave practically everybody their money. Yeah, I'm not really going to say anything more than that. Then I recognise that there is a gap in the way I live to that. But where we are, where are the practical needs that maybe we could meet? Families that don't have food or, you know, that um, single mum that has a broken washing machine or uh, that family whose car's broken down, where there are practical needs that either we could meet individually but or we could meet corporately. And then there is renewal. Renewal is this, this difficult word. Renewal is what happens when God's kingdom comes to a place, a person, a situation, or other thing. Where God's kingdom is, God's rule and reign is, God's wholeness is. It's this sense of being things being restored to how they always should have been. The big sweep of scripture isn't that we, you know, the end goal for us shouldn't be that we get to go sit on clouds with harps and hang out with St. Peter. That's that's the vision of heaven of the Simpsons. And a remarkable amount of the church believes that's what we hold out for. What we see at the end of Revelation is a new heaven and a new earth. And this restoration of everything that was lost at Eden. And in Eden, remember, there was the presence of God and things were well. And the promise is of a new creation where there is no sin, sickness, death, tears, sorrow. And could I be honest, for me, that is more compelling than living a life of sin management where I get to stamp my ticket and go sit in the clouds. That is a more compelling vision of what God might do. And I think that the call to us is to be part of that restoration. It won't be complete till Jesus comes again. But actually what we do see when Jesus comes is moments of healing and provision and dignity being given to people. And the question is, where might God be asking you to seek the renewal around you? Shall we pray? Can I encourage you to stand at this point rather than just sitting down? This isn't going to be the prayer where I pray and we all go home. Um, The end of my my notes there basically read, help God. Because I don't really know what the response is this morning. Um, But just maybe as I shared things this morning, I wonder if for some of us there was just a little spark inside of you.
for, and this was just something that came to me this morning whilst I was doing the washing up. Um, I wonder if there is somebody here, who you're kind of giving God his last chance around an issue or I don't know what it might be, something that's going on, but you're kind of giving God his last chance to get it right for you. And I felt like God's response to you was, there is a place for you at my table. And there's not just a place for you, there is a place for you to bring guests. And I think there's an invitation for you to not just let the thing that is an issue between you and God be between you and God. Invite other people to come pray with you and sit at God's table together. So Holy Spirit, for each one of us here, would you would you show us the next thing? Would you show us the people? I wonder if there's a moment for us to, you know, when we talk about God's healing coming, even the idea of praying for somebody who says they're ill can be a terrifying thing. And I just wonder if there is an opportunity for us, for those of us now, just to ask for God's grace to see more of that stuff happening. The reality is, the reality is if God wants to heal somebody, you can pray the worst prayer a man or a woman has ever prayed and God will do his work. We just have to be willing. So maybe just for some of us where we are, and I just encourage you, you don't have to be silent for this, but you can pray. Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church.